0: Psalm 12, verse 6. The words of the Lord are pure words. As silver tried in a furnace on the earth, refined seven times. Pray with me again, if you would, please. Father, we now humbly and reverently give our attention to your word. We do it uh, that you might speak to us through your word. That you might encourage us, comfort us. Strengthen us. Build us up in Christ. Confront us where we need it. We thank you, Lord, that all Scripture is your word. That it is pure, like silver refined seven times. We ask you to bless this time. I pray, Lord, that I would speak truth. And if I speak anything that is an error, that you would just... Erase it from our minds that we would hold fast to the truth. Give you honor in Jesus' name. Amen. to Rearrange things here for just a second. <laughs> Not quite enough room for all my books. In your mind's eye this evening, I'd like you to imagine two words. Just kind of visualize them out there. You might even close your eyes while we do this. The first word I'd like you to to look in your mind and see is the word think. T-H-I-N-K. Got it out there? Now, right next to it, I want you to see a second word. Thank. T-H-A-N-K. What's the difference between those two words? Well, pretty obviously... It's just the vowel in the middle. And the people who study the etymology of words tell us that that is not an accident. The word think is actually very closely related to the word thank, as they both come from the same Latin root, meaning to know. To know something is to think. To think about something is also a very good motivation to be thankful for it. Someone has suggested that if we would be more thankful people, we would be more thankful people. People who do not think, don't think. People who think just a little, thank just a little. But people who have great thoughts about God are motivated to great thanksgiving to God, And that is the idea in Psalm 136. It is a psalm which urges us to great thanks toward God built on great thoughts about God. And there's our main thought this morning. A psalm which is urging us to great thanks to God built on great thoughts about God. Now, this psalm has a structure that is found nowhere else in the psalms, nowhere else in the Bible. Each line, the first part of it, expresses another great thought about God. And then it is followed by that refrain, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Every verse is unfolding yet another great thought about God, and then it returns to that bedrock of God's Faithful, never-changing, eternal love and faithfulness. The Jews called this psalm the great Hallel. Hallel is a Hebrew word, that it means praise, like hallelujah. And they recited Psalm 136 every Passover, almost certainly as a responsive reading. Just as we did a few moments ago. And they would do it with a leader or a choir reading the first line of each verse. And then the congregation responding with a second half just as we did. And Thanksgiving is the theme of the whole song. That famous French mathematician and philosopher René Descartes said, I think, therefore I am. At least a couple of thousand years before Descartes, an unknown Hebrew writer said, I thank I think, therefore, I thank. He he thought great things about God, and he wove it together into a psalm of great thanksgiving toward God. Now the psalm begins with three calls to thanksgiving in the first three verses, and then it develops three causes for thanksgiving in the rest of the psalm. That's the basic outline. Three calls for thanksgiving, three causes. So let's look first at these three calls or even three commands to give thanks in verses 1, 2, and 3. It starts off. Give thanks. That's a command. It's an imperative. Give thanks to the Lord for He is good. For his loving kindness is everlasting. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Each verse urges us, each verse compels us to give thanks. These verses also tell us something about how to give thanks, to whom we give thanks, and why we give thanks. How we give thanks is expressed in the Hebrew word itself, forgive thanks. This particular word means the public proclamation of God's attributes and works. And so this psalm is not asking us to have a private time of devotion where we go off by ourselves in a corner and spend time giving thanks. It is urging us to a public proclamation, a public worship service of thanksgiving. I suspect we have all met people who claim to be a Christian, yet they don't participate in any church because they say, well, my religion is a private matter just between me and God. I can worship God out on the golf course, or I can worship God fishing, or I can worship God with my head on the pillow. And perhaps they can. But this psalm and many other places in the Bible compel us to publicly and corporately gather together to give thanks and praise to God. It is not just a private matter. You know, our American Thanksgiving holiday is rooted in this idea of a public community expression of thanks, as it should be. In 1623, the governor of Plymouth Colony, William Bradford, issued the following proclamation. Listen, he said this. Inasmuch as the Great Father has given us this year an abundant harvest of Indian corn... Wheat, beans, squashes, and garden vegetables, and has made the forest to abound with game, and the sea with fish and clams, and inasmuch as he has protected us from the ravages of the savages, has spared us from the pestilence and disease, has granted us freedom to worship God according to the dictates of our own conscience. Now I, your magistrate, do proclaim that all ye pilgrims, with your wives and little ones, do gather at ye meeting house on ye hill, between the Hours, get this, of 9 and 12 in the daytime. On Thursday, November, ye 29th of the year of our Lord, 1623. And the third year since ye pilgrims landed on ye Plym- Plymouth Rock. And there, listen to ye, Pastor, and render thanksgiving to ye Almighty God for all his blessings. You see, with those words, William Bradford called the whole community to come together for a three-hour worship service to give thanks to Almighty God. 1789, President George Washington proclaimed a day of public thanksgiving and prayer. Not just private. Not just families in their homes, but public thanksgiving and prayer. 1863, at the peak of the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln called for a public day of thanksgiving for the whole American people. And so our American trans- uh, tradition of thanksgiving is, is rooted in this public time of giving thanks because the Bible consistently calls us to openly, publicly, corporately praise and give thanks to our God. That's what the word give thanks means in Psalm 136. That is how we give thanks. These verses also answer the question to whom we give thanks, but. That should be obvious, but sometimes it uh, gets a little twisted. I remember very distinctly, because of what I'm about to tell you about, one Thanksgiving when I was a teenager, we had gathered with the extended family around the great big table. There was grandparents and aunts and uncles and cousins and brothers and sisters and everybody. And, And somebody led in a traditional thanksgiving prayer and as soon as that prayer ended as soon as whoever was praying said amen this cu- this couple and, and aunt and an uncle and their children uninvited uninvited to pray suddenly burst forth in their own prayer and they said this We thank you, Father, Son, and Mother Earth, for the food and shelter you provide. We thank you, soils and trees, oceans and seas, that you share your produce for our use. They were making a statement, very intentional, that they were thanking the creation. They were thanking Father, Son, and Mother Earth for our food. I heard about an elementary school textbook Published by a nationally recognized textbook company. Which explained the Thanksgiving story at Plymouth. As the pilgrims giving thanks to the Indians. Trying to be politically correct. They were removing any mention of God from our history. And so we need to be clear to whom we give thanks. Not to the Indians. Not to the sun and the moon. Not to the ocean. Not to the turkey. But to God. And that is quite important. Listen carefully, please, to the words of Romans chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. And listen to what this says to us about the importance of thanksgiving. Romans 1, beginning at verse 20. For ever since the creation of the world... His, that is, God's invisible attributes. His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks. They became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. This breakdown in giving thanks to God there in Romans chapter 1 is one of two factors that leads to a a spiritual bankruptcy of the human race which is unfolded in the rest of the chapter. They didn't honor Him as God or give thanks. If we fail to be thankful people, thankful to God, The consequences in our own life will be no different than those in Romans chapter 1. The foolish heart will be darkened. When we fail to thank God, we begin to lose the light that we have. So to whom do we give thanks? Well, Psalm 136 makes it very clear by using three different names for God. We're not thanking the Indians. We're not thanking Mother Earth and Father Son. We are giving thanks, verse 1, To the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. It is the Hebrew word Yahweh, the personal name for God. We're not giving thanks to some unknown God. We're not giving thanks to some vague concept of God. We are giving thanks to the I Am. The God who spoke to Moses from the burning bush. We're giving thanks to the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. We're giving thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're giving thanks to the God who has revealed himself in the scriptures. It is no less than this God to whom we give thanks. And to be sure we understand, the psalm repeats the idea of verse 2. Give thanks to the God of gods. Verse 3. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. There in verse 2. Give thanks to the God of gods does, does not mean that they are other gods. It is saying give thanks to the only true God above any other imagined God, including all the other idols and false gods. Give thanks to the one true God. Isaiah 45 Verses 21 and 22. God himself says. There is no other God. Besides me. A righteous God and a savior. There is none except me. Turn to me and be saved all the earth. For I am God. And there is no other. Three times he says it there. There is no other God. That's the God whom we thank. Give thanks to the God of gods. Verse 3, give thanks to the Lord of lords. Now, verse 1, Lord was that Hebrew word, Yahweh, I am. Verse 3, it is the Hebrew word, Adonai. Adonai means master, authority, owner. He's the master of all masters. The authority over every authority. And so... In these first three verses, Psalm 136 tells us how to give thanks. Publicly, corporately. It tells us to whom we give thanks. To the Lord, to the God over every other thing that anyone might imagine to be God. To the Master, the authority over every other Master. And third, it tells us why we give thanks. Verse 1 says it. Because He is good. We saw that same line in Psalm 100 that... Uh, Joshua read for us a few minutes ago, Give thanks to the Lord because He is good. Basic to all thanksgiving, foundational to all thanksgiving, is this conviction that God is good. Can you confidently say that no matter what happens in your life, No matter what deep personal pain you might encounter, and we all will at one time or another, can you say, even so, God is good. Think about a young man that you've all heard of. His name is Joseph. Joseph grew up in a totally dysfunctional family. Constant bickering between his father and his father's wives. His father played favorites among his children, and Joseph's brothers hated it and they hated him. Finally, they threw him into a pit and were going to leave him there to die. And then they had an idea no, let's make some money off of it. They sold him into slavery. Not long after that, he spent many years in prison because of the false accusations of a loose woman. Joseph could have been bitter. And angry at God, bitter and angry about life. But in Genesis 50, verse 20, Joseph said to his brothers, As for you, you meant it for evil against me, but God meant it for good. To have a proper Thanksgiving perspective, we need the same conviction that no matter what happens to me, God is good. No matter what life deals out, no matter what pain I encounter, God is good. David wrote Psalm 34 during a time of of deep personal pain and anguish, and he wrote in verse 8, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. David also wrote, Psalm 145 verse 9, the Lord is good to all, his mercies are over all his works. As you think about the stories about David in the Old Testament, he went through a lot of really difficult, really painful times, and yet his conviction in psalm after psalm after psalm is that God is good. And having this conviction is what allows us to follow through on that, that New Testament command in First Thessalonians 5:18, "In everything, give thanks." How can we possibly give thanks in everything unless we hold fast to this conviction that God is good." So why should we give thanks? Because God is good. There's a second reason why we should give thanks. And you said it, I believe, 26 times during the responsive reading. For or because His loving kindness is everlasting. That rich Hebrew word, loving kindness, is a very difficult word to translate in the English language. There's no exact equivalent. So, sometimes it's translated mercy. Sometimes Kindness, sometimes love, sometimes faithfulness. It's all those things wrapped into one package. His merciful, loving, faithfulness to His covenant people is the basic idea of this word. It is everlasting. The foundation for thanksgiving people is not a full stomach. The reason for thanksgiving is not your personal balance sheet. The reason for thanksgiving is the everlasting, unchanging, loving faithfulness of God to his new covenant people. Give thanks, for his loving kindness is everlasting. So, With that introduction of three calls to thanksgiving and how we give thanks and to whom we give thanks and why we give thanks, the rest of the psalm unfolds three great thoughts of God to stimulate our thanksgiving. People who think great things about God will give great thoughts or great thanks to God. The first one is that we give thanks to God as our Creator. Verses 4 to 9. Verses 4 to 9 are focusing all around the themes of creation. As I read this, just notice how many parallels there are between this and Genesis chapter 1. The ideas in Genesis 1. Verse 4 To him alone who does great wonders, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Well, what wonders is he thinking about? To him who made the heavens with skill, for his loving kindness is everlasting. To him who spread out the earth above the waters, for his loving kindness is everlasting. To him who made the great lights, for his loving kindness is everlasting. The sun to rule by day, for his loving kindness is everlasting. The moon and the stars to rule by night, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Look around, says the psalmist. Look at the creation. God made it all. One of my personal favorite hymns says, This is my Father's world, and to my listening ears, all nature sings and round me rings the music of the spheres. We give thanks, because He has made the heavens with skill. We don't thank the sun and the moon. We thank the one who made the sun and the moon. You know how easy it is to forget to thank God for even such simple things as the sun and the moon that contribute so much to our well being. Without the sun, without light and heat, life would be impossible. The moon gives us demarcations of seasons and months, and it gives us the tides, which contributes to the great variety of ocean life. What about the stars? you ever thought about the stars and why God created billions upon trillions of stars? There are even, they tell us, billions of galaxies, each one having trillions of stars. Genesis 1.14 said He made them for signs and for seasons, for days and for years. The stars are a sign to us. God made that north star that... Our ancestors might learn to navigate the earth and explore it and understand it. He made the stars and the vast galaxies, I believe, as a sign to us how great and immense and powerful he is and how small we are. King David as a boy and a young man spent many nights sleeping out under the stars. And he wrote Psalm 8. When I consider the heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon, and the stars which thou hast ordained... What is man that thou dost take thought of him? The son of man that thou dost care for him? See, the stars reminded David how great God is and how small we are. Psalm 147 verse 4 says, He counts the number of the stars. He gives names to all of them. Reader's Digest once used a clever analogy to explain how vast our universe is. They said this, If it costs one penny to ride 1,000 miles... Okay, there's the basic parameter. One penny, 1,000 miles. How far is the trip to the Philippines? 4,000? 8,000? I don't know. Okay, so let's say 8,000 miles, 8 cents. Costs a little more than that, right? (laughs) Yeah, okay. So, if it costs one penny to ride 1,000 miles, a trip around the earth would cost 25 cents. A trip to the moon... $2.40. A trip to the sun, $930. A trip to the nearest star, the nearest one, mind you, would cost $260 million. A journey to the nearest nebula would set you back $40 trillion at one penny per thousand miles. Next time you look at the stars, think about how big God is. Isaiah 40 verse 26, lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these stars. The one who leads forth their hosts by number, he calls them all by name. Because of the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, not one of them is missing. Sometime this Thanksgiving week, if we have a clear night, go outside and look at the stars. And just think for a few minutes about the fact that God calls every one of those stars by name. And you can only see a few thousand of them. And yet there are billions of galaxies. And because of the power of His might, not one of them is missing. What an awesome God we serve. And His loving kindness toward you is everlasting. And so the first stimulus to thanksgiving is great thoughts of God as creator. And then the next stimulus to thanksgiving is great thoughts of God as our redeemer in verse 10. Redemption means God rescuing, God saving his people. As we we look at verse 10, we see God rescuing his people from the slavery in Egypt and the Passover and the Exodus. Look at verse 10. To him who smote the Egyptians in their firstborn, that's the death angel passing over Egypt and taking the life of every firstborn in the whole country, except those whose homes were covered by the blood of the Lamb. Those homes he passed over for His loving kindness is everlasting. And He brought Israel out of their midst, the midst of Egypt, for His loving kindness is everlasting with a strong hand and an outstretched arm, for His loving kindness is everlasting. The psalmist is giving thanks for His deliverance from their slavery in Egypt. We can give thanks for a much greater deliverance. We were not slaves in Egypt. We were slaves to sin and death. Give thanks, because by the blood of the Lamb, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, we have been delivered from that slavery much, much worse. Memesine the moves to parting the Red Sea, verses 13 to 16. To him who divided the Red Sea asunder, for his lovingkindness is everlasting, and made Israel pass through the midst of it, for his lovingkindness is everlasting. But he overthrew Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea, For his loving kindness is everlasting. You know, after the Passover, after saving his people, God doesn't abandon them along the way. God will not abandon us along the way either. For he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. For his loving kindness is everlasting. And then the psalmist thinks about how, on the Exodus, after they passed through the Red Sea, even as they grumbled and they mumbled and they complained against God, God was faithful to him. Verse them, verse 17, to him who smote great kings, the kings during their their Exodus and their wanderings. For his loving kindness is everlasting, and slew mighty kings. For his loving kindness is everlasting. These are the kings now before they crossed over into the promised land. Sihon, king of the Amorites, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Og, king of Bashan, for his loving kindness is everlasting. And gave their land as a heritage, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Even a heritage to Israel, his servant, for his loving kindness is everlasting. God parted the sea. God took them through to safety. God guided them all the way by that pillar of fire and that cloud. And God gave them the victory over those kings that would not let them pass through their land. And you know, even as we have not yet entered the promised land that is coming for every one of us that we'll sing about here in a few minutes, I believe, God is still guiding. God is delivering. God is giving the victory because His loving kindness is everlasting this section of the psalm I believe encourages us and reminds us to think of the many many ways that God has redeemed us and delivered us he has saved us from sin and from death but from what other bondage from what other mighty kings from what other trials and troubles has he saved you I read about a man named Barry who was watching the evening news when he suddenly burst into tears He had just seen a story about three men who had been charged with murder. They had mugged an elderly lady and she had died as a result of her injuries. He didn't know this lady. So why did he suddenly burst into tears? What's the matter, Barry? His wife asked him. Barry explained, I know those guys. I ran around with them. We were buddies. If God had not saved me, I would be there with them right now. From what has God delivered you? From what has God saved you? Think, and then think. You know, we are twice God's people. We are God's people because He made us. He's our creator, verses 4 to 6. We are God's people because He bought us. He redeemed us with the precious blood of Christ, verses 10 to 22. And the psalmist thinks of these these great works of God to stimulate us to thanksgiving. And then for the third cause, the psalmist meditates upon God as our sustainer. In verse 23, the language shifts subtly from ancient history... To the more recent acts of God. It, it shifts from what God did for them back then to us and now. Notice how the pronouns change beginning in verse 23 Who remembered us in our low estate, for his loving kindness is everlasting, and rescued us from our adversaries, for his loving kindness is everlasting, who gives food to all flesh, for his loving kindness is everlasting. You can be assured that God remembers you in your time of trouble. Verse 23, low estate refers to a time of pain, trouble, distress, discouragement, depression. God has not forgotten you in that time. Of low estate. He, he rescues us from our adversaries, from the people and the situations that would seek to hurt us and destroy us. The word rescue there is a, is a graphic word that pictures a dramatic tearing away. God powerfully tears us away from those situations. And then finally verse 25, the thing that we so often put first when it comes to Thanksgiving, food, The turkey and all the trimmings comes last. Give thanks. He gives food to all flesh for his loving kindness is everlasting. And then the final verse sums it all up and we end where we began. Give thanks, a command, to the God of heaven for his loving kindness is everlasting. How often do you think about God? Do you think about God on Monday through Saturday? Or is it just on Sunday? Have you thought about him every day this past week? Contrary to popular psychology, the problem with our world today is not lack of self-esteem. It is lack of God-esteem. We need to not think more about ourselves. We need to think more about God and who he is and what he has done. J.I. Packer once wrote, Those who have great thoughts of God, those who know their God, have great thoughts about God and will do great things for God. Let's think about God. Thank God for His loving kindness. His faithfulness is everlasting. Well, as we all know, this week is our Thanksgiving holiday. I would challenge you, by the way, of practical conclusion this week. Every day, to think of something new. To thank God for something that maybe it has never occurred to you before to thank God for, thank God for it. Think and then think. I would challenge you this week, as I've already mentioned, to go outside at some point and look at the stars. Think of God, how vast and powerful and awesome. He is. And if the clouds uh, don't cooperate with that, or if you want an extra little family activity that is actually really interesting, go on the web to hubblesite.org slash images. Images, pictures from the Hubble telescope. Look at some of those pictures of the stars from the Hubble telescope and think of how great and awesome God is. Reflect on the idea this week that no matter what happens in your life, no matter what happens to you, and painful times will come to all of us, that God is good. And give Him thanks. It is as we learn to be thankful for the difficult things in life, the really painful things, that we're growing in our faith, and our trust, and our confidence in God. And growing in thankfulness is a significant part of growing in Christian maturity and sanctification. So let us this week as a pattern for every week, give people, be people who give thanks to the God of gods, to the Lord of lords, to the I Am, because His loving kindness to you is everlasting. Let's pray. Great is the Lord, great is Thy faithfulness, O God our Father. There is no shadow of turning with Thee. We confess, O Lord, that many times in life we forget to be thankful people. We become like those people of the Exodus who grumble and complain about our situation. And yet even then, your loving kindness, your faithfulness is everlasting. We renew this spirit of thanksgiving, of praise, of adoration for the greatness of God, our Creator. God our Redeemer, and God our Sustainer, whose loving kindness is everlasting. We praise you and thank you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.